Good morning, comrades. You are listening to WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. We have Jeff on the show. No Robert this week. Uh, he is actually uh, not. He's not. Um, well, he's actually uh, during this time he's picking Aaron up from the airport. So um, we're recording ahead th- today, um, and we also have a very special guest. Uh, we have Lauren Jewett uh, on the show. Uh, Lauren is a um, teacher in Orleans Parish. Uh, she is also uh, a member of United Teachers of New Orleans, who got a huge win today, by the way. Um, as of Friday, as of recording, uh, shout out to uh, the Rooted School, who was um, who was voluntary rec- voluntarily recognized. Their union was voluntarily recognized at that school. Uh, so one unit stronger. I've uh, got to get them a contract now. Uh, and also, she's current. Uh, Lauren, back to Lauren, remember her? Uh, she is running for <laughs> school board in District 6 in Jefferson Parish. Is that right? It's 6, right? Yes, it's okay. District I 6. I four one time, I think, and I was wrong. Because 4 is like old mattery, and mm-hmm. you're more like um, basically everything that is um, sort of east of David Drive all the way down to. Uh, all the way up to the lake, and then mm-hmm. c- kind of basically to Causeway. Is that about mm-hmm. right? Yeah, the boundary line. Um, the bound no, the boundary lines are just before Causeway and it's Airline Highway, uh, David Drive, and Veterans. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Lauren is here uh, to talk a little bit about uh, her experience, about a little bit about her campaign, and uh, a little bit about teaching. So, uh, how was your week? Lauren, uh, with, with, uh, all the stuff. Um, so I am two weeks out from election day or actually, actually less than two weeks. It's uh, like a week in a couple days. Yeah. I think we're like 11 days away. Um, so this has been, you know, the, we're, we're almost at the end of the, the light at the end of the tunnel, uh, with this campaign. And so, uh, it's been going on for uh, a long time. I say it's been going on since January, uh, but I would say more. It's probably been since May since I've been really, like, really seriously doing things committed to this uh, to this run. And um, I will say that it's been a lot of fun, although it is very exhausting all the time. Um, I think if you talk to most people who decide to run for a political office, whether it's, I mean, definitely if it's local, you can't really necessarily always quit your day job to do that. You kind of have to balance either your work or life um, responsibilities while you're doing this. And, you know, I'm a full-time teacher. So we know people who are full-time educators, people who are in kind of first responder kind of roles. Um, if, they, if they're doing something as as courageous and, and time consuming as running for office, I mean, they're already gonna be exhausted because their work is already exhausting that they do on a day-to-day basis. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm tired all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so can I just like, uh, just, just sort of rewind a little bit and um, just sort of ask, so, so let's talk a little bit about your background first. So you're a teacher in New Orleans. Uh, how long have you been teaching? Uh, what got you into teaching? And uh, we can get into school board stuff in just a moment. 
Yeah, I have been a teacher for 13 years. I'm actually in my 14th year. So I'm like, you know, I haven't taught 14 years, but I've and now entered the 14th year. And sure. yeah, I, there, yeah. yeah, I've been, um, I've been teaching since I've been 22 years old. I moved here in 2009, right after graduating college. Um, and my first, you know, my first thought of, you know, when I was in college is that I really wanted to be a lawyer and I wanted to study disability law and I wanted to uh, really work on disability advocacy, disability justice, disability rights. My aunt had Down syndrome. So I was um, very interested in policies around um, that, you know, area. But, um, you know, I got the opportunity to move here um, and I, you know, got into special ed um, partly because of my aunt. And I've taught special education my entire career as a teacher. I've always done elementary. I've done every grade, kindergarten through fifth grade. Um, I started my career in St. John, the Baptist Parish. So I worked in Laplace and Reserve for a little bit. Um, but most of my time as a teacher has been in Orleans. Um, I was a resident of Orleans when I moved here. Um, but I, I now live in Jefferson Parish. Um, I've lived in Jefferson Parish for seven years. I live in my home uh, here and Jefferson Parish. And I, you know, really want to see the community um, be successful and thrive. And I want to see our students uh, be the best they can be. And, you know, that's how I got into teaching was just, you know, I moved here and I was able to get my alternative certification um, as a teacher. And I, I stuck with it. Um, you know, I came to find out when I was maybe in five years in that, you know, my grandmother was a retired or that she had been a special ed teacher. Mm -hmm. She passed away when I was in elementary school oh. and, you know, but she had taught special ed for over 30 years. So kind of in my blood a little bit. Um, I also found out um, that she was president of her union oh. uh, up in New York where, where I was born and raised and so um, kind of, um, you know, a, a little bit of my narrative because, you know, she did, you know, the same kind of role I did. And she was very active and involved in her community uh, and civic engagement and in her union. So um, that's that's really what I am about. And I I just felt that I needed to step up and, and try to. Um, you know, take this a little bit step further um, than out, than just in the classroom and, and, and helping students. Sure. So, um, so you mentioned uh, that your your aunt was a member of the. Oh, was aunt? I'm sorry. It was an aunt or grandmother. I'm I'm sorry. It slipped right past me. My grandmother on my dad's side was a uh, special education teacher in Buffalo, New York, and she, um, she served in, I guess, a couple different, um, I guess we, you know, we know it as union, you know, union council or union leadership. Um, but she served in a couple different roles, but she did serve as her president, uh, yeah, when she was a teacher. Now you yourself also have been, um, very involved in, uh, United Teachers of New Orleans, the, the New Orleans union. Can you talk a little bit about, um, that, especially in light of, I mean, many people in this city, uh, don't even realize that, I mean, after Katrina, um, 
you know, many people will remember, and they will tell, talk, talk about how uh, United Teachers of New Orleans was attacked and, and largely dismantled after Hurricane Katrina, but uh, it, it's, it's still there. And, and, and a lot of people don't realize it. Can you talk a little bit about uh, United Teachers of New Orleans, uh, your work in that union, and uh, sort of uh, what you've done uh, with it? Sure. Um, well, like I said, I first started teaching in St. John the Baptist Parish, and I actually immediately joined a union as my, my first week um, of in-service. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't have any um, reservations about joining. Um, you know, some people who I was in, um, who are new uh, as well, and in the teaching program that I was, um, you know, here for, they they were um, a little hesitant to join. But I knew, you know, I'm a special ed teacher. I want to make sure that I have um, a lot of protections, um, just because um, we're doing with a lot of legal stuff as a, as, as special ed um, teachers. And you know, I, I, I as, a, as a fellow special education teacher, you ain't kidding. Yeah. And um, so I was a union member out there. I wouldn't say I was really active. Um, you know, their union is um, with uh, affiliated nationally with NEA. Um, but I did, you know, I did know, know who the union rep at my school was, um, if I had a concern. Um, but, you know, you're just trying to kind of learn so much the first year or two as a teacher. So I didn't, um, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was like, going to union meetings and, and doing anything active. Um, but it was nice to know I was still part of something. Um, mm -hmm. But then when I stopped working out in St. John and, and started working in Orleans Parish, you know, I, I started working at a, um, a standalone charter school. Um, I had never worked in charter schools, you know, because St. John the Baptist Parish is more traditional public school. And I just was, I went to a union um, training that they had. Uh, no, actually, for a long time did a lot of um, in-service and PDs um, for teachers or professional development trainings for teachers that were free, whether you were a member or not. And I went to one that was on response to intervention and how do you intervene when kids are struggling. And I remember, you know, meeting some people there and during the lunch time of the training, they make a little pitch to like, you know, help um, encourage people to become members. And I, 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 it was no question for me. Um, I didn't need to be, you know, really convinced. And I, I joined and, um, you know, within a year, because you have to be on, you know, a member for a year, I had another friend who kind of just said, oh, well, you should, you should get on the council because they were looking for people. And I was like, okay, well, what is this about? Um, and I was a member at large for a long time. Um, you know, I, I attended a lot of the trainings that Utno had offered. And they were, they were, you know, we, we are still offering, we still have a professional development committee, but um, there was, I met so many other educators and learned so much um, from those educators who were really veteran educators who would, you know, attend those trainings because they were continually trying to perfect their craft and um, be better educators. And um, I just love that spirit of, um, you know, continuous learning. Uh, so I, um, you know, was on the council and then um, we had some moving around of some people on our council. Actually, our uh, our local president um, moved up to be the president of LFT. And so we had some people moving around. Oh, Larry. I, saw, I um, saw Larry last night. Yeah. And I uh, I had worked on some school board campaigns um, just as you know, because I was an active member and I did some canvassing and stuff in 2016 for the Orleans Parish School Board races. And um, 
I got really interested in that. I have a I have a degree in political science and um I just, you know, and I really enjoyed getting to knock on doors and talk with people and hear what their concerns were about. And like it helped me learn more about um the educational landscape and what people people's thoughts and concerns were. Um and so because of my involvement in 2016 and 2017, when we had some shuffling going around on our council, I got approached and asked if um, I would consider filling the the COPE vacancy. COPE is uh, the Committee on Political Education like role um, on the Union Council. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I served in that role from 2017 up until the past spring. And then I um, stepped down from it so that I could run for office. But um I learned a lot from the people before me, from, um, you know, the people who coordinated a lot of different political education activities um, for teachers. And some of the things we would do would be, um, you know, informing our our members, you know, our teachers and paraprofessionals um, and members of the union about um, how to get registered to vote and how to um, know what the what was coming up on the ballot and the elections and and coordinating all the endorsements um, interviews um, when people would qualify for office um, and then working on their campaigns to get them elected and see who's going to be um, a ally and so, um, for teachers and who's going to really stand up for public education uh, and so um, you know through my cope role again I learned a lot about the political like um, infrastructure of, of unions. And, and I learned about, um, some of the things that transpired before I, you know, became, um, a resident here in the Southeast Louisiana area related to education. Um, and so I'm just deeply, I'm deeply grateful for my experience, um, being a union member because, um, it's been an, it's been an educational experience for me, um, not, not being from here um, and being able to learn, um, mm-hmm. you know, what what happened prior to and, and just what people's passions and concerns were. Um, and, you know, but I, um, you know, I, I worked on so many people's campaigns, you know, and at some point people start asking you, well, when are you going to do this? And we can see that you have a lot of like um, interests and in our passion. And um, I just felt like given the given some certain circumstances that happened this year now is the time um you know elections depending on the role um and school boards are four-year terms here in louisiana it only comes across every four years kind of like the olympics so Mm -hmm. um it was time um especially going through covid to get to there um let me just pause really quick do some station id and then uh, I just want to sort of ask a quick question about that. But um, really quick, you are listening to WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade, uh, goodmorningcomrade.com for more information. Uh, we have Lauren Jewett on the program. Lauren is a teacher and union member in uh, in uh, Orleans Parish uh, schools. She is also uh, currently running for school board in District 6 of uh, Jefferson Parish. And uh, so we were just getting into uh, a little bit of your background. Uh, what were some of the things that led you to uh, sort of inspired you to run for the school board? What made it seem that it was so important that 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 you step up? You were mentioning that you had some experience running campaigns in the past, or, or being a part of campaigns as the head of the um, the uh, 
uh, Committee on Public Education uh, with uh, with the United Peace of New Orleans. So what was it that, that sort of got you to um, step up and, and put yourself forward and become a public figure to um, run for this for this seat on Jefferson Parish School Board? Um, I, I was asked a lot of times while I was, you know, helping people out with their um, campaigns, like the canvassing or the phone banking and that sort of thing. Um, and especially, you know, being I'm, I am a woman and like, we know that women are underrepresented on all levels of government. And they, they say that a lot of times women have to be asked almost like six or seven times, um, would they, you know, will you run for office? And that's just seven asking them seven times before they may even consider it. Um, and I got asked a lot of times and I'm just like, well, now's not the right time. I'm doing grad school and I'm still, you know, doing a lot of other things that I feel um, that I want to um, explore. But I will say that when we, you know, went on lockdown during COVID um, and we started to end that school year, that 20, 1920 school year. So, you know, we were all on lockdown in uh, March and April and May, um, you know, then summer came about and so many teachers had questions about what's going to happen in the fall. Who's going to be involved in these decisions? Um, what are the, you know, return to school protocols going to look like? What does safety look like? Um, and, you know, you know, as well as I, because, you know, you taught during that that time, um, there was so many situations throughout, um, you know, that first full school year of COVID, the 20, I'm talking about the 2020 to 2021 school year, um, where we were virtual and then we weren't, and then we were virtual and, um, you know, being a member of, uh, no, and being a member of the union because of what you kind of alluded to earlier about situations of the union's, um, uh, you know, force prior to Katrina, um, you know, we know now in, in um, our city where is 100% charter um, and, and the, the teaching force is, is transient, it's not as stable. Um, and that was prior to issues we know of COVID with teachers, but, you know, particularly here, um, you know, teachers are not as, um, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to say that they're a union member. They're like, they're kind of a little, um, you know, they want to sometimes keep that um, close to their heart that, and they don't want to um, actually state that publicly. For me, that was never something that I, you know, wanted. I mean, I wasn't screaming it down the like hallways or the roadways. <laughs> I'm a union member, but I am proud to be a union member. Um, I believe in labor. Um, and for me, when those um, situations happened with COVID and, and, there was calls to action, you know, to our union. Like we got calls from reporters who wanted to know where are teachers' um, heads at with all these like new release of information when we had to keep going back and forth the virtual or just like masking and um, everything, vaccines, all those things. Um, I, because I was on the council, um, you know, sometimes when we got media requests, um, I got a call and, um, or got, we got an email to our whole council and said like, who can, who can do an interview today? Um, and, or who can, who can do, you know, cause when you get media requests, like sometimes it's very 
quick turnaround time. Like it's a reporter calling that morning and they want to, you know, want to talk with you within two hours, three hours, because they're trying to do a, a, an evening segment. No prep time. Like no prep time. time. Um, and you know, I, I, I remember I did, I did an interview in July of 2020. It was my first, like I had done interviews before with the news because I had served on the, the board of the New Orleans track club. And, you know, whenever we had road races, we sometimes had, um, for big events, we would have the media come out and I was the president at, at some point, point during my, my time on that board. And so I, I did do, you know, a news interview here and there, but, um, you know, when you're talking about some pretty sensitive, you know, topics, really, you know, like we're talking about COVID, um, you know, there's, there's a lot more at stake there. And, um, but anyway, I, I did a lot of interviews. Move on from there too. It's also interesting too, because you could talk to a news person for like 15, 20, 30 minutes or whatever, and they'll clip like three words from whatever you say. The entire yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I think I can't, I've lost count now, but in terms of um, the amount of uh, actual news clips, like news interviews that I did, um, whether that was print or actual like in-person um, or Zoom interviews with reporters, um, I did quite a lot all over the last two years because I also got some, you know, I also did some um, interviews post-IDA. Um, and, and what was going on related to that. Cause we had so much issue with, um, with quarantines and then we were all out for Ida for several weeks. And so I think when you ask the question about like, well, what kind of got you, um, you know, to where I am right now. And it's, I think it's because of COVID we needed people to step up and say, this is these are the things happening right now in schools. And these are the things, um, that teachers and school staff are concerned about, um, and I just, I happened to be available a lot of times for these news interviews. And I, I knew, I, I had thought deeply about, you know, these kinds of issues because when you're in union meetings, you're talking about them. You're talking about them constantly with your colleagues and with your family and your neighbors and your friends. And so it was no, it wasn't any hesitation for me to um, offer myself up as a representative of UTNO and to speak um, on behalf of educators who we know um, were doing a lot of like um, important work during that time that wasn't, you know, always being honored and wasn't being appreciated, um, you know, especially like after that initial lockdown, I think there was a lot of like battle, you know, nationwide, statewide, like cause people were just like, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty. So, you know, that, that I think kind of gave me a little bit of a platform where I'm like, I can, I can be a leader. Um, and, and people, um, you know, had reached out when I did those kinds of interviews or texted me and just really said that they appreciated that someone was at least out there and willing to speak. Um, you know, and like people, some people just, we just had trouble finding some people sometimes to do those interviews because they were just nervous about, putting themselves on, you know, in a public setting saying I'm a teacher and I'm a member of the union and I'm talking, you know, like, so I, I didn't have any, um, you know, I knew I needed to do that because I, I know some people who wanted to do those interviews, but just weren't in a situation where they felt safe to do so. Um, but, um, I think it was that. And then it was obviously, um, when I got back from the holidays this year, 
and there was a situation where my particular school board district that I live in, um, that vacancy became available. Um, and it was a lot of, there was a lot of buzz around that. Um, I felt like I needed to step up and do that. Um, and that kind of gave me that push where I'm like, okay, I, I, I gotta, I gotta think about this seat in the fall. Um, if this doesn't, you know, going through, um, an interview for a vacancy, which I didn't receive, but, um, you know, teachers just felt like somebody, you know, needed to be there to like, uh, represent them, um, well, you know, to be potentially on the board. More specific and explicit. Yes. Who was appointed to the school board, who it had turned out had not only been a part of, and this is, I guess, perhaps less important, he was a part of the January 6th, like, you know, call it a riot, call it whatever. He was out there sort of um, in that situation. But also he had had, like, very awful, like, things to say publicly about educators and how we were essentially... Mm -hmm like leeches on the system and essentially part of the problem and this yes. person was appointed to the school board and that got a lot of attention um everywhere um and and i guess is this um i don't know this is a dynamic that i think is popping up more and more across the country that we're seeing more teachers that are coming in with like explicitly anti-teacher agendas they they say things about like I under very like various kind of wild things like critical race theory or whatever that are that are things that are not happening in schools. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So the yeah that is the situation of what happened um, with the with the vacancy. A board member has stepped down. Who um, then after the holidays, you know, the, in Louisiana, I think it's a, it's like twenty or twenty eight days or something. It's a very short window when a board member steps down the sitting school board has, you know, a, a, a few week window to like, to name a replacement. And it's up to the board to vote on that replacement. If the, and that's only if like, there's less than a year left on the term. If there's more than a year left on the term, um, I think sometimes they can name a replacement, but then they have to like, you know, there has to be a setup of a special election to fill out the rest of the term. Cause then, and I know this because it's happened a couple of times in Orleans. Um, but, you know, when I, and I'm very active and politically involved and I'm like, no one knew what was going on. Like, it, because again, holidays, we were all just like, let's just get to the holidays because of COVID and Ida and all the things that we were dealing with. And I, uh, I was like, okay, now is the time to step up to this because I was very, um, I was very discouraged to hear that someone was going to be appointed who felt these ways about teachers especially in the moment that we were in and the moment we are in where we have teacher shortages and, and teachers feel like no one is listening to them and no one really sees what we do all day. And, um, you know, what, you know, so yeah. I, and, and to your point about the, um, you know, there are, there are news, um, there are news reports and um, different stories out there that, you know, people say, you know, pay attention to school boards because, um, you know, school boards actually have a lot of authority over the things that we, you know, that are, um, you know, th they're an important office 
that's mm-hmm. like just to be succinct. They're they're a very important local office, but because it's a down ballot kind of situation, uh, there's not often um, you know a lot of attention that's given to them. Um, yeah, sometimes, often, but like almost completely ignored most of the time. And if if you don't, you know, when you see things on the ballot, you see things like. Oh, there's a Senate race on the ballot. Oh, there's a House of Representatives race. Oh, there's a U.S. presidential race, and all those things yeah. are obviously very important. But, but what ended up getting lost in that in that shuffle, as you were just saying, are these like really important local school board uh, seats, and also the Bessie board, uh, mm-hmm. our statewide school board, which yep. uh, you know people don't really think about, I guess, quite so much. And 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 I mean, I I can tell you, as someone who been to my fair share of school board meetings over the years uh they make some huge decisions <laughs> about what about the direction of education right. that uh, right. uh and and you as in someone that's in new orleans i mean the school board can essentially decide to not even be involved in the specific day-to-day and, and mm-hmm. essentially give the entire system away to charter schools even yeah i mean i think even besides educational things because i talked to you know i've talked to voters yeah, I've talked to voters as well who say, well, I don't have any kids or my kids are, you know, grown and now out of the school system or my kids didn't attend, you know, the public school system. But, you know, you're still a taxpayer and the school board like does a lot of things in terms of like taxpayer dollars. And, um, you know, so they have a lot. There's so much that school boards do. Um, but, you know, like I, I think too, you know, people aren't even aware sometimes that they're allowed to vote for school boards. Um, And in some states um, and areas, you know, school boards are not allowed to be a partisan situational race. Um, And what I I mean when I say that is um, when someone goes in to vote um, for a school board candidate or even when a school board candidate goes to qualify for office, um, they they may not be required to list their party affiliation. That is not the case in Louisiana. Um, we do have letters next to our name. Um, we are asked that when we qualify for office. And, um, you know, I've gotten asked those questions on doors. Um, I try to, to tell voters, you know, yes, this is my party. I'm going to be completely transparent, honest. At the same time, I, I do, you know, hope, hope that, um, you know, people understand that as an educator, I uphold a lot of professional integrity in what I do. And I don't discuss those things with students. Um, you know, I got, I got asked questions from students in 2016 um, and 2020. They asked me questions about who I voted for. And I'm like, you know, I'm not allowed to tell you that. Um, I said, you know, um, that's not something that's part of our lesson that we're discussing. I said, just know that I voted, um, you know, I vote and I vote for what I feel is just and fair and right. And, you know, I leave it at that. Um, But I, I do, um, you know, I, I do try to, you know, and tell voters like, this is the issues, right? We're not really trying to move away from like um, this divisiveness because um, when you're talking about school board, you need to talk about what is best for kids and those people inside the buildings um, and, you know, what's going to help drive the learning um, and the things that are needed to um, support that learning. So, um, 
you know, it, it there, the, yes, topics come up that are um, divisive um, within, you know, campaigns around school boards. Um, but I think who better than an educator to really talk about the issues because we, I live it day to day. Um, and, and no one sometimes, you know, some people just don't understand what we're really going through, especially now. Um, I would say this, like every say I, each year I'm like, oh, this is like such a hard year or like next year's going to be like not as hard. And I, it just keeps getting harder. Um, and that does terrify me because I do believe in public education. I went to public school K-12 and um, I, I, I can see that the impact that it's had on my life. Um, I had wonderful teachers um, and, you know, I was able to go to um, a great uh, college um, and, you know, I've had so many opportunities because of the education that I received and the support and care I've received from teachers. Um, and, you know, I think we need that, that um, sensibility and that value system on a school board. Um, you know, a lot of school boards don't have educators on them or they do have some, but they're not like, you know, it's, it's not the majority. And I'm not saying every, you know, I'm not saying a school board should be 100% educators. I think that we um, do have um, a need for people who have different skill sets, who they can offer things because school boards deal and manage with a lot of money and there's a lot of legal things. And, um, you know, so I do think it's good to have a balance. I do believe that. Um, but I think that we've gotten really far away from, actual educators um, running the decisions that affect us every day. And, and I think it shows. I think it shows in this state uh, where we are ranked consistently at the bottom of education um, that we don't have educators that are really in those decision-making tables, um, you know, at those decision-making tables. And I think it, it's it's really an issue that a lot of people, if they don't care about, they need to care about because education is, um, it's everything. Um, and if we, we're not really being thoughtful about who we choose to vote for, it, it, it's going to really impact you, whether you have kids or not. Um, so. Yeah, of course. Um, you are listening to WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. Uh, you're listening to Good Morning Comrade. Uh, today on the show, we have uh, our guest, Lauren Jewett. Lauren is a teacher in Orleans Parish. Uh, she's also a member of United Teachers of New Orleans, and she's currently running for uh, District 6 Jefferson Parish School Board. Um, and we were just talking a little bit about um, about what led her into running for school board, some of the motivations. And I guess um, the next question that this sort of leads into, for me at least, is what are some of the key issues that you see uh, as, you know, in Jefferson Parish, what are some of the things that you hear when you talk to people, to teachers, to parents, or even students? What are the things that are really important to people? And what are the things that, uh, you know, sort of in your estimation, that you see are, are you know, really critical here? Yeah, um, I, I get the question a couple times I'll, um, before I kind of get into, like, issues, um, because, you know, for sometimes voters are kind of confused because they, um, or people are confused. They're like, well, you like, you work in Orleans, but you don't work in Jefferson Parish. Like, how can you serve on the school board? And I said, actually, it's great because if I was a Jefferson Parish teacher and I did win, um, 
I wouldn't have to resign my position because you cannot govern your own employment. Um, you know, so I wouldn't have to, you know, leave my students in the middle of the year, which I think would be very detrimental, um, especially in the situation we're in with, with staff shortages. Um, and so um, I can, um, you know, maintain my job. And, and I will say uh, school board positions in the state of Louisiana pay an $800 a month stipend. So no one can quit their day job. I'm not, not doing not exactly a living wage. I'm not running because I want the $800 a month stipend, although <laughs> it will. Money. Well, it will help, um, you know, but it's not that's not about that for me. It's about um, putting myself in a position to advocate on a larger scale for kids and families. Um, but, um, you know, so I get that question a couple of times and, 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 and while I'll say Jefferson Parish being the biggest school system in the state of Louisiana definitely has different issues than other school systems. Um, and Orleans is a very different system than Jefferson just because of, um, you know, the way in which it's managed and run, um, and, you know, the, the, the power and authority of the school boards in both of those parishes are different. Um, the issues, bread and butter issues that teachers face um, is very, very similar. Um, you know, so teaching, I, I teaching, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so some of the things that I, you know, am trying to, um, you know, work towards, advocate for, bring light to um, would definitely be mental health of our of our educators and our school staff and our students um, and our families. Right. Um, we we need to make sure that there's holistic supports that are in place for um, our entire community that supports kids. Um, that's parent, um, that's uh, aunt, aunt, uncle, grandma, um, the the teachers, the the bus drivers, yeah, yeah. the the cafeteria workers, the nurses, the librarians, everybody um, who really makes the school run. And um, I think because of our issues that we have in this state with our climate uncertainties. Uh, and I think that with, with just COVID um, and the disruptions in learning, like I'm seeing it now. Like I really do see the things that um, I have to also supplement and add on to, you know, my math instruction and reading instruction and those kinds of things that I, like I do anyway, just the social, um, interaction piece, problem solving, conflict resolution, the things that I need to do with students, um, just helping them self-regulate and calm down. Um, because, you know, we, we went through a lot as adults <laughs> during these last two, three years and, you know, kids that were five or six and now are nine and like the age that I'm dealing with, um, those are formative years for their brain development. And we know trauma impacts the brain. Um, and, and and how it develops. So I am um, really a big proponent of how can we really um, make sure that we're prioritizing money in the right places um, for mental health and wellness of everybody. Um, because we know, um, especially for our middle school and high school age students too, that like anxiety, depression, like suicide is on the rise. Um, and how can we have, um, Things that aren't just like a response to, oh, like this incident happened or like, you know, this tragedy happened or these things. We should not be like reactive. We need to be proactive. We need to make sure that uh, we are having, you know, um, 
resources and supports in place that are like ongoing that are continuous um you know like i i'm very open i go to therapy <laughs> um and you know because i deal with a lot of anxiety on things and um i've been going for several years and some days i go and i don't have as much to talk about because things are going okay but it's like maintenance right like you go and get your car and um get an oil change for your car yeah, yeah. yeah like and your car could be everything could be fine like but if you keep putting off or you don't do those things for your car or your home or all the you know like things that you need to do um things are going to start to crack and things are going to start to like um not function as well and so i just think like how can we make sure things are ongoing instead of being like oh um we had a we had a death in our school community now we're just going to flood the school with grief counselors like no like grief grief pops up in so many different ways and at different times and it can hit you um and like you know then we have kids that like want to maybe go talk to a social worker or counselor well when you have a counselor in a school who has you know it's 1 to 250 kids you know, or one to 500 kids, you know, like that's overwhelming. Like, and that's it, just not like really, I just see that um, we really need to invest in those kinds of things in a, in a continuous way. Cause we're, we're, we're not, um, you know, we're, we're going to be headed towards the, like some pretty problematic uh, situations. Uh, uh, I, also, you know, we, we know in Jefferson parish, um, because there's so many before schools. we move on <laughs> um i did want to talk a little bit about like my experience with um you know that kind of thing in class and yeah I'm absolutely while my dogs are barking <laughs> <laughs> um but anyway um my experience like i, I see special education myself mm -hmm. and um i always end up having a really good relationship with it with the social worker um, just because of the nature of the job, and they're always often really good people to talk to, even for teachers. Mm -hmm. um, but but one of the things I've found out uh, for social workers, even, is that they have so much um, paperwork and so much things that is not dealing with and servicing children, um, which is also kind of part of that problem as well. Um, yeah. I don't know if you, uh, I just wanted to sort of add that in. I don't know if you want to expand on that or not. It's not Absolutely. No. I mean, that's another cornerstone of like what I'm trying to, you know, tell people about in my run is that, it, um, you know, we have a lot of paperwork that's required of us. And um, some of it seems a little perfunctory. Some of it seems unnecessary. Um, some of it I, I don't disagree with because you need to have a paper trail that like helps either the next person who's going to work with that child or just like, you know, incidents that happen or background or family history or things like, I mean, it's, it's definitely necessary, but the sheer amount of paperwork and things that we have to do. Um, and I'm talking about special ed teachers, social workers, and the teachers, right? The grading and all those things that we have to do. Um, it takes, you know, you want to do it well, you want to have you know, care and thought and be meticulous with it. Um, but it's, it's, it's very hard to do when your brain is already overtaxed. Um, and, you know, I say a lot of times, will I be able to address teaching shortages, like on day one? No, like, I don't have a silver bullet either. What I do offer is that I have been an educator for, you know, uh, well over a decade, right? I'm in my 14th year. And what I can offer is like, I've taught, you know, pre-COVID, I've taught during COVID, I'm teaching in the aftermath of how we're still in everything. And 
Um, I think teachers need to be respected and paid more. I think the pay is absolutely necessary. Um, but I don't find that sometimes teachers are leaving necessarily for just pay. It's a well, sustainability. That's the truth. Right. It's a sustainability issue. It's the workload. Um, you know, when you go into work and you know that you're supposed to have 45 to 90 minutes or however long your planning period is going to be or that amount of time you're going to have during the day to get tasks and work done or just to like eat your lunch and like, you know, take bio breaks and things that you need to do. And that stuff is completely like taken from you because of um, lack of coverage and 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 all the things that I know happened to teachers um, throughout, um, you know, when we had a lot of absences during like COVID and now have absences when we don't have classes covered because of lack of actual staff um, being able to fill vacancies. Um, that work is then being taken home um, or it's just not getting done. And that's not what our students deserve absolutely at all. Um, and so like, what are we doing that's being taken off teacher's plate if we keep adding things. Like from what I understand, because um, I, again, I don't work in Jefferson Parish, but I do know that y'all have cluster meetings and that the cluster meetings um, are sometimes not very differentiated. And so, you know, then teachers don't feel like their time is being spent well, or that like <laughs> their time is, their, their planning time is being a little co-opted. And I, again, I am all about teacher development. I am a mentor teacher in the state of Louisiana. I am a national board certified teacher. Um, I have been a professional learning facilitator. I have coached teachers. Um, I understand the importance of debriefing with teachers, um, developing their craft, having them look at student work, looking at the data. I get it. Like it, it, we have to have time for that, but like not everybody works in the same way. Um, you know, I'm somebody who gets, I love collaborating with other colleagues and educators, but there's also certain times of my day where I actually just don't need to be around people. And I need that like 30, 45 minutes where I'm like, okay, I can like zone in on this task or I can get this stuff done um, that I need to, or just take, you know, um, human interaction time away. Cause you know, it's exhausting being in front of people all day. Like, um, you know, and that's, we choose to do that. But like, when you don't have that for like, nine hours a day, it, it can, it can be very draining. That can lead to the burnout that we're seeing. And so it's like, I just, I feel that we need to make sure that we are restructuring and reconfiguring things um, in a way that like makes sense. Um, Cause sometimes we're not going to always be able to get more time. Um, but how can we be smart with people's time? How can we also treat them like professionals and, and give them responsibilities that actually like are manageable and treat them with dignity and humanity because it's been unsustainable for a long time. Um, we, we were the canaries in the coal mine for so long before COVID and saying like, this is too much. We don't have like time to do all these things. And we were saying it and saying it and saying it and nobody seemed to be listening. And now it's like you see headline after headline of staffing shortages and like it's it's getting media attention, but like people still don't really feel the impact of it. Um, we're feeling the impact of it and we were the ones sounding it. So um, yeah, I definitely agree about like issues about the paperwork, but yeah, I mean, I, I on my push guards and things I had, I address staffing shortages from a teacher perspective, right. you know, and it's, it's near and dear to my heart. And that's the 
thing that's 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 like uh, you mentioned this earlier. It's just sort of sorely missing from a lot of what um, decisions are being made in in the school system is um, that that teachers are, are sort of like I don't know in a cursory way told, oh, we're listening. We're, what you do is very important, and we want to hear what you have to say and whatever. And it's like okay, it's it's um. And then they would just go and do whatever that they wanted to anyway. <laughs> it's almost like yeah. a lip service. Um, I'm sorry. That's, that's, that's me talking, not you. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I, what I can say is, you know, and I don't, you know, I don't know everything that um, I'll have to do if I get elected and get on that board. But, um, you know, my, my hope is that I will be able to still work in schools and be in proximity to schools and children. Like I want to, still serve because this is what my background is but you know i also want to be an absolutely effective and um you know connected school board member but like um you know if i'm there and i'm like coming you know from work to go to a school board meeting you know i'm gonna be bringing some of the things that i dealt with all day and that's gonna i'm gonna be bringing that like the essence of like what I saw and dealt with with students during the day and what I felt as an educator. And like, I mean, I want to bring those lived experiences up to the dais, right? That's the, the that's what they call the little like right. board that the board sits on. And like, it, 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 you know, we have to remind ourselves like, because I know there are people who are on the board and who, who did spend time in the classroom. And I think that's absolutely great. Um, but, you know, a lot of things have like, been different with education because of like what we've gone through in the last few years with COVID and um, we're really starting to see the impact that it's having on our young people. Um, and yeah, like I just, I just, I commit to bringing that element of like, you know, the, the voices of, of people onto that board. Um, that That's my duty. Like I, as a, as an elected official, as a school board member, as a public servant, um, it's not about me. I represent and work for the people that, you know, elected me and I work for the people of the district, um, and the entire school board, you know, um, and I, I, I have to do, you know, I have to do that gracefully and I have to do that, um, you know, I have to do that with, um, mm -hmm. with integrity. So let me ask you, um, well, before we do that, you listen to WHIVLP New Orleans, 102.3, um, we have a teacher. Um, in New Orleans, we have United Teachers of New Orleans member and also um, candidate for District 6 school board in Jefferson Parish, Lauren Jewett, on the show. Again, thank you for coming on the show. Um, I wanted to ask, um, as you have kind of gone through this campaign and, and announced, who were the people that uh, have supported you? What kinds of groups? What kind of individuals? Uh, who um, have... Um, you sort of responded or who's responded to you and 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 who's sort of been sort of helpful like boosters of the of this campaign yeah um well i i when i first um decided to do this um i looked into um how could i you know make sure i get on the ballot and everything and um i i got on the ballot for free um it is a 230 dollar um fee with qualification like paperwork uh you know, uh, money to get your name on the ballot. And, you know, I could have paid that with some donations that I received, but I decided that I was going to go around and knock on doors and get signatures to get on the ballot for free via petition. I did that. I feel very proud of that. I had friends and teachers help me. 
collect those signatures. I like, think strategically that's probably a good way of doing some pre-campaigning in the mm -hmm. sense that you get the idea that people have already decided to support your run uh, from the beginning of, of, yeah. of that, that, that process. And so, like, that's a way to sort of get, you know, some a little bit of momentum going in the beginning. Right. Right. And I, the reason I share that piece of information is one, a lot of voters don't know that um, it just it, it costs that much just to get your name on the ballot. And we know with um, people feeling that money is was tight, especially at that time of when I was doing the door knocking, I'm like two hundred thirty dollars. I'm like that that's going to be a lot of gas money for me, like because gas prices were so high and like we know grocery bills have been high. And like, you know, I just wanted to make sure that I'm like actually spending money on like what I need to be spending on a campaign that's pretty grassroots. Um, so, um, you know, I'm very thankful to the people who knocked on doors with me early on to get those signatures. Um, again, a lot of them were educators um, who did that with me. Um, and I will say, um, you know, one group that was very uh, helpful for me um, early on um, in the uh, in the spring as a emerge emerge is a, a program that trains democratic women to run for office um, and I got um, accepted to that program um, I had applied months before I even considered like even doing this but they but they were looking for um, you know people and women in the area and um, they provide you with a lot of different training on in the ins and outs, nuts and bolts of a campaign. And so um, they were very helpful because one of the, um, the people in the program um, connected me with a consultant who, um, you know, helped get my stuff off the ground because I just was like, I, I, I know how to get on doors. I know how to talk to people. I know how to, to um, organize volunteers and, and do all that piece. But I was like, I'm not really quite sure of the like paperwork side and how do I get my name on the ballot? And how do I do this? Actually, I was abroad when I qualified for office. I will say I'm thinking I'm the only candidate that qualified um, from a, another country. Um, <laughs> I was finishing up some grad school work that um, got delayed with COVID over in Oxford, um, UK. And uh, so I did, um, you know, I, I, I said, just get me on doors, just get me on doors. And I know I can take it from there. Um, and so I'm really grateful for just the connections I had through that program. It's a bunch of other women who are either considering running for office or have a desire to do that. And um, it just helps you build some um, networks, um, you know, if you're not sure about it and, um, you know, you need some support getting off the ground. Um, uh, of course, my union um, has been super supportive. Um, you know, I that was the first endorsement I earned was from um from Jefferson Federation of Teachers, I did my campaign um, endorsement interview from abroad um, as well um, with them. And, um, you know, because I get I got their support, I also have gotten the support of AFL-CIO. Um, so I, it was very important to me to get the, uh, the backing of labor um, because I've been a union member my entire career. Um, so, of course, they have been helpful. They've been out um, doing some door knocking with me, um, provided some um, financial contribution to my campaign. Um, and then um, I've gotten some endorsements and some backing from um, other local groups um, and um, state and national groups. Um, I got an early endorsement um, from a group called Run for Something. Um, they, you know, find um, candidates who are 40 and younger who um, are really committed to innovative change in their communities. And um, they, um, you know, I did some talking with them early on and uh, they endorsed me 
I think back in May, um, and they provide you with a mentor um, who checks in with you. Um, they provide you with some discounts on some different like um, things that could be rather expensive um, for first time candidate campaigns and um, for people who are maybe, you know, just getting into it. Um, and they, you know, provide you with social media support and lots of different things. And so, um, you know, it's been nice because then I've been connected to other candidates across the country who are, you know, um, doing other campaigns similar to mine. Um, and it just makes me feel connected. And so um, they've been helpful. Um, a similar group um, is kind of a connected group. They're called Building Bridges. Um, for America and Roadmap for Progress, um, they actually, um, you know, I was able to give them um, some information so they could write postcards for, um, you know, my campaign. So write postcards to voters. Um, and they did like a um, kind of like a little media interview kind of with me and they um, do really good social media support as well. So those are some like you know, national organizations that, you know, looked into supporting me. I got endorsed by Forum for Equality, um, which is the state's um, uh, LGBTQ uh, rights organization. Um, and I'm deeply, like, appreciative that I received their endorsement um, and support um, because, you know, I when I advocate for kids, I talk about all kids um, and all people's rights. And, uh, you know, I got... Uh, an endorsement from Step Up for Action, um, which does a lot of uh, economic justice work and fighting for good schools and good jobs. We know that those things are connected. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I've, um, and uh, a lot, I got an endorsement from Alliance for Good Government. So I got a lot of endorsements, yeah. but I mean, again, endorsements do not vote. Um, you know, you want the endorsement of voters, um, but just so, just, I, just yeah. So we're running short on time. Yeah. But, um, I did want to give you an opportunity to uh, give the listening audience an opportunity to, well, if they wanted to um, find out more information about your campaign or support it, where can they go to find that? Right. Um, I have a website. It is www.laurenjewett.com. Uh, it's J-E-W-E-T-T. -T. A lot of people like to spell my last name wrong, but that's how you spell it. Um, and then I have um, social media accounts on Facebook and uh, Instagram at elect Lauren Jewett. And I'm on Twitter at elect L Jewett. So those are the ways you can follow my campaign. Great. Well, thank you so much uh, for uh, joining the show. Um, PD is uh, <laughs> voicing, he's got something to say about the campaign as well. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for, for joining us. And uh, you have been listening to WHIV LP New Orleans. Uh, we love you. Goodbye. Bye. All right.